0: Good morning, today is Easter Sunday. This is the best day for a Christian in all 365 days of the calendar. Is it what sets us apart from all other fake gods? We truly serve a risen savior and for that I'm so thankful. And he still is in the life-changing business. God truly is so good. I want you to turn your Bibles and we're gonna look at two portions of scripture. I want you to look up Luke 22. And Matthew chapter 27. Later in the message, I'll give you an update on my medical condition so you will know how to pray for, for Ann and I. Um, that's why I'm sitting in the office. So I'll, I'll kind of explain that just a little bit. Last year's message was entitled Alone. When I was thinking about that, how how Jesus had been alone. He was alone when he walked up Golgotha. He was also alone when he went through the trials and the cross and his death were all about him being alone in easter 2020 i think we all understand what alone is i want you to turn your bibles to Matt to luke chapter 22 and i want you to see this um luke writes this in luke 22 and as he writes this he's the only one that brings this to our to our knowledge in luke chapter 22 it says this in verse number um 61 it says, And and the Lord turned and looked upon Peter, and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And then it says this in verse number 20, 62, And Peter went out and wept bitterly. You know, I was thinking about the, the aspect of Christ being alone. You know, this is the only gospel to, to mention this. But you think about the miracles that Jesus did while he was on this earth. You know, he did the feeding of the 5,000. He made the lame to walk. He made blind men see. He made, he he, he resurrected many different people. And as we, as we go through this, think of this. This is Peter, and this is the third time that he's denied him. And again, Luke's the only one that mentions this. But there's four little words in there, and it says, and the Lord turned can almost picture this. He's on trial and he looks out a window and there's, there's Peter, the, the one that walked on the water with him, the one that had just recently cut off a man's ear and Jesus put it back on. Not much mentioned about that, but that was an incredible miracle, especially if you were that person. He's seen all these different things and yet he singles out and he turns to Peter when Peter fulfills what Jesus said he would do. He said, listen, before the cock crows, you are going to deny me three times. This is the third time that he had denied him. And this is the third time he looks at him and, he, and it says this, and the Lord turned. I wonder what was going through his mind at this point. You just think about this aspect of it. He was by himself. Peter had followed him. Now, where are the other 11 disciples? But this one disciple He signals signals him out and looks at him when he does what Jesus said he would do. He denies Christ. He was all alone. Even the disciples are gone. That's one of the biggest aspects of the Easter story that I think of is that he was all alone. I don't understand everything that God went through. But what I find interesting in this is that that Jesus himself knew what was going to happen and knew how it was going to happen, and yet he chose it anyway. One of his most prized disciples, his last sight of him in this before the crucifixion, before he were to die, was Peter denying him. The one that said, the most flamboyant one that said, I'll never leave you. I'm going to be always here for you. I'll die for you. Is by word of mouth denying who he is. And Jesus feels all alone. I want to kind of give you right now an update on my health. Um, People have asked and I want to kind of tell you what's going on. And it kind of relates back to what's this, this story that I've just went through um, of Jesus being all alone. I don't want this, th- this message to be all about me. My situations um, hopefully will remind you of what's important in your life. For the past four months, I've not really felt well. I've not felt exactly right. I didn't know what it was. In the past two months, I've been to urgent care three times. My symptoms were shortness of breath, Um, cough, sinus, and a low-grade fever. Urgent care was trying to fix my sinus problems and my respiratory problems. I was tested at ETSU when they opened it up for the the three things for um, flu A and B and coronavirus. And I thought for sure, maybe I had one of those, but everything came back negative. My symptoms were mirroring those sicknesses. I was averaging two to three hours of sleep every night. Um, for the past two months. I was tired and not feeling well. Naps every day, and sometimes I would joke about it, but that's not usually how I operate. Well, this past Friday night, I didn't sleep at all, and I couldn't breathe, and I had a system where I could try to get breath, and there were certain positions I could get where I could get breath, but they weren't working. And I went to urgent care one last time. I could not get my breath, and I noticed that I gained 12 pounds in the past week without eating very much. When I got to urgent care, they took an EKG and an x-ray. Both had abnormalities to them. I had a lot of fluid on my body, legs, arms, and lungs. And my heart um, beat was very weak. Urgent care sent me to the ER. ER admitted me into the hospital. I was in the hospital for four days. Thank God for the medicine called LASIK. In four days, I lost 20 pounds. Through the, through the many tests and blood work that they diagnosed me with, they called they called what I had heart failure. When your heart beats, it beats anywhere from 55 to 75 75 percent. It releases that from the, from the heart. Mine right now, my current rate is 20 to 25. The doctors do not know what caused it. Could be many different things, but they've changed my diet. My intake of fluids, medicines, and exercise. I guess the hardest one I'm having for, with is not necessarily my diet; it's the intake of fluids. I can only drink a half a gallon of of liquids every day, and that includes other aspects of it. It includes yogurt, Jello, um, soups. All those have to be in that half half a gallon. I was probably drinking almost a gallon and a half before lunch. So they've taken me off that. They've given me medicines and they've also told me to exercise in certain ways. The doctor equipped me with a life vest. I know some of you have heard that I have this. Let me kind of explain what that is. It is an external um, defibrillator. The doctor's goal is to get me back from Um, 20 to 25 percent to 35 to 40 percent. My goal is 45 to 50 percent. I have this. This is part of my defibrillator. This is actually the battery pack. It's around me. I have three um, pads on me, and then I have four things that that tell my um, heart rate to the machine and to the people that are looking at it. If my heart rate moves to 35 to 40 percent, I will not have to wear the life vest anymore. Um, I will have to continue with my new normal of diet, no salt, exercise, and medicine. If it doesn't go up in three to four months, the doctors will place place in me a permanent internal defibrillator um, to control my heart if it stops beating. I am placed on a strict quarantine because of my heart condition and my respiratory problems. If I were to contract the vi- the coronavirus or flu A and B right now, it would be very devastating to me. Well, enough about my, my physical condition. I just want you to pray for me. Don't feel sorry for me, it's just something that's different, it's nothing that I knew and I, I had no idea I had it, but it explains everything. It explains the last four months of my life of why I was feeling the way that I was. My heart just wasn't pumping enough blood. Um, the whole process and situation has taught me four things, and I want to relate these to you on this Easter Sunday. Number one, things change quickly. Or should I say life changes quickly. This is not my plan A, probably wasn't my plan B, it's probably plan C or D. But it's what God did, and God underst- and I understand that God knows what he's doing. Life does change quickly. I'm 53 years old, never knew that I had this problem. My, I knew heart things had ran in my dad's side of my family. My brother, of course, had a heart um, attack when he was when he's 67, I'm far from that. My, my sister died when she was 72 of, of a heart attack, but I never knew anything was wrong with me. I felt like I was, I was doing fine, but I wanna tell you things, things change quickly. Number two, I would say this, God is ultimately in control. We try to figure out everything. Even with Easter this year, we try to put God in a box. God cannot be put in a box. Either he's in control or we think we're in control. But I want to tell you this, through all this aspect of everything that I've went through, I understand that God ultimately is in control. He knows what he's doing. Number three, of course, you probably understand this now that you've seen what I'm I'm trying to go through. And people ask me do you feel any different I, I i feel a little tired but not not anything different i just know that I, I know what what i need to do to make this thing right the third thing is this that god's taught me not only one things change quickly number two god is ultimately in control but three is this life is short life is but a vapor you don't have much time to serve the lord we often sit like well if i turn 55 this is what i'd do for the lord if i turn 60 this is what i would do for the lord I don't know how much time you have. I don't know how much time I have. I'm not gonna change who I am. I I love having a sense of humor. I don't want to lose that. I want you to understand that you don't have to treat me any different other than the aspect of um, social distancing right now. I know that God knows what he's doing, but I also know that life is short. And I don't base it on what I've went through totally. I mean, I was thinking about this. I had someone call me this week that I went to school with back in 10th grade. And you just go back and you think, man, that's many years ago, I was in 10th grade in 1982. And we talked and talked, we talked for over an hour. It was neat to see that he was serving the Lord and his family was serving the Lord. Because so often when we go back and we see what people do, they don't realize how life is short. We got into the concept of, of some people that went to school with us that had already passed away. We don't know exactly when our time is, but I can tell you this, God knows, and he he knows exactly what he's doing every step of the way. Understand this, things change quickly. God is ultimately in control. Number three, life is but a vapor. And number four, I don't like being alone. You know, Anne, through this whole aspect, could not come up and see me. She was able to go in the emergency room, but she could not come to my room. And so for those four days, I was just at the mercy of talking with her on the phone. I had great nurses and I had great staff. I had great doctors that came in. And you truly realize when you're going through this, how they're putting their life on the line. But can I tell you this? When it push comes to shove, if you don't understand what truly alone is, I don't know what more could happen in this world for you not to understand what alone is. I know there's some people that are just wanting their kids to go out and see people. They wanting, they're wanting their, their kids to just get out and about. My sister was telling me that her her um, child that she's raising is <laughs> has not seen friends for over three weeks. So she decided to do something and give her something to do. So they adopted a pregnant cat. And they're they're adopting it and they're taking care of the kittens. Well, the kittens were born yesterday. And as I thought, man, that's just something that they normally wouldn't do. You know why they're doing that? Because they're alone. Let's talk about Easter right now. I want you to understand that Easter is truly not about me. It's about this Sunday, the day we're we're meeting, and you're listening to this. This is not just another Sunday when it comes to a Christian. This is not just another sacrifice. This is not just another story. The, the Easter story is incredible. Last year's message was alone. This year I want to go on one different aspect of what he meant, what he went through. Not only was he alone, but the pain that he suffered. Sometimes when we think about Easter, we think of spring, we think of all the bright colors the Easter egg colors, the pastels, and we think of the new outfits that we have, and they're usually light colored and very nice in our vision. But I want to talk to you about what Christ did. I'm going to give you four things in just a second, four avenues of pain for Christ, and I want you to look at this. Christ was alone, and what he was about ready to go through in this story was very painful. Painful. And I want to even st- take it a step further. Without him being alone, without him be- being going through the pain, we've either got to come to an agreement that Jesus knows exactly what he's doing, God knows exactly what he's doing, and God is going to do this the right way. I feel 100% accurate that Jesus knew what he was doing. There was not one thing he could change. There was not one thing that he would change after the fact. So often in our lives, you know, I look back at my situation, and I would think, you know, I probably should watch what I I eat. I probably should exercise more. Well, God's got a hold of me now, and now he's, he's pointed out, this is what you need to do. Now, when you look at Jesus and you look at his situation, there was not one aspect of his life in the last few days of his life that he would ever go back and say, you know, I didn't do that right. Let's get understanding at this Easter that God has something for us and God knows what he's doing. I want to talk to you and I want to talk to you about being alone and the pain that riddled his body. But before we get into this, we all have to come to agreement. We have to understand this. Remember this, do you believe that God's all-knowing and do you understand that he's all-powerful? Because you've got to understand these concepts to understand exactly why Jesus went through these things. I'm going to give you the four avenues of pain for Christ when it comes to Easter of 2020. The first one is this. The pain number one that he had, and it goes back to last year, was the alone. Where was everybody? He did this for everyone. But where was everybody? You say, Pastor Werner, what are you talking about? Where were all these people that had these miracles happen to him? Where were the lame people that he, that he healed? Where were the lepers that he healed? They changed their life. Where were the people that he rose from the grave? They had died and he brought back Lazarus. Where, where are all these people at? Where are their support? Where's the, feeding, the people that he fed, the 5,000 that he feed? He fed. All of them were gone. All of them. Remember the statement, not only were all the people gone, but he makes this statement, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He was all alone. That's pain in and of itself. The first aspect of the avenues of pain, the first one was he was alone. The second one, as, as we get into this, I want you to turn back to Matthew chapter 27. We're just going to look at what Matthew says and instead of all the other gospels and jump back and forth. I just want you to see what it says. And let's jump into Matthew chapter 27. And I want to go in verse number 11. We're going to read for a while. Take your Bibles and follow along with me. And here, my Bible says this, Jesus appears before Pilate. And verse number 11, it says, And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. When he was accused of the chief priests, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? He answered him to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now at the feast of the governor was wont to to release into the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. And you got to understand notable means that everybody knew that he was not the right kind of person. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto him, whom will the... Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? And let me insert this in this. I think Pilate at this point said this is a no-brainer. They know who Barabbas is, and I don't see anything wrong with Christ. And so I think he he thought that, for he knew that for envy they had delivered him in verse number 18. When he was sat down to the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with this just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude. This goes goes to show you that this multitude of people can be manipulated. That they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. What a a statement in, in that. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of thy twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why wilt thou, why wilt thou evil hath, hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Jesus saw that he, <clears throat> he could prevail, nothing, but rather a, a, a tumult was made, and he took water and washed his hand <clears throat> Before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just man, see you to it. And then verse number 25, then answered all the people and said, his blood be on us and our children. What a statement to make for them to say that Jesus' blood was on him, on them, and not only them, but their children. Now we're going to find the the thing, and it's, it's basically mentioned very small in here, but I want to point out to it point you out to it. follow along keep reading in, in Matthew chapter 27 and go to verse number 26 it says in verse number 26 then released he Barabbas unto them and then it says this and when he had scourged Jesus he delivered him to be crucified I want to talk about the second aspect of pain the first one was he was alone the second one was the scourging the beatings that he did they had beat him they had spit upon him they had punched him, they had plucked his beard, but here it says the scourging. Let's read that one more time, verse number 26. Then released he Barabbas unto them when, when and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him into the crucified. It's interesting, this is an interesting statement and keep reading in verse number 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers and they stripped him and put on a scarlet robe. When you study this and you'll find out what they did when they scourged him at some point in this whole aspect of it they had actually taken the cat of nine tails and 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 scourged him so badly that many times people couldn't even tell they were they were a person they'd been beaten so bad they actually would say they would scourge him 39 times because 40 would kill them saying would wrap around their body and you talk about the pain you say well I know about this. I know about the the pain that people talk about that Jesus went through. There is no way in this whole light of this um, story that we can even yeah. understand the devastating blows that this did to Jesus. Cat of, of, of nine tails was was a whip that had nine. Um, things on the end and it, it could be many different things, glass, it could be a nail that was intertwined with it and they would take it and the Roman soldiers were, were efficient with this. They knew how to go from the top to the bottom and they knew that they, there were certain things they couldn't, couldn't do because it would, it would just basically destroy that person. You say, well, why is this so important because of the scourging? Well, here's the aspect of it. Remember I told you that he's all knowing and all powerful? At any time he could have called people down. At any time, he could, have, he could have called angels to him to, abide, to help him through this, but he didn't do that. He was all-powerful, but he didn't do that. My aspect to you when it comes to Easter is that he was all-knowing. And maybe you never even thought about this aspect of the story, but he knew the pain that he was going to suffer. He knew that he was going to be alone. Remember, Christ knew what was going to happen, and he knew who was going to do it to him. Remember when they put the the, the bag over his head and they punched him and said, tell me who did that. Well, he knew who did that. But he, he was dying for that person. He was willing to take that pain upon his body, and he felt pain just like you and I do. And when you think about the cat of nine tails, the punching, the, the plucking of his beard, These were definitely pain issues that he had to deal with. The scourging of him. I just can't comprehend this. Knowing what's going to happen, knowing the pain that's going to happen, and still go through it, still walking through that door, kind of shows you exactly how much he loves you. The pain of being all alone. The pain of the scourging. Now I want you to look at a different aspect. It's the next verse. In verse number 28, we have the pain of being alone, the pain of the scourging. I want you to look at the pain of the thorns. If you you read this in in chapter 27, go to verse number 28. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. Key word here is scarlet. They're mocking him as they do this. They're pointing out that scarlet was a royalty color, signifying that he was the king. Now they're about to do something that will show you the pain he endured for us. In verse number 29, it says, And when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knees before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, king of the Jews. And when you read that, if you put yourself in the perspective of what's going on, Here's a man that they've just released Barabbas. They've scourged him, they've beat him, they've plucked his beard. He is definitely really in a lot of pain, bleeding profusely. And they put a royal robe on him, which that that's, would would hurt in and of itself. But then they put this thorn, they make this thorn of, uh, crown of thorns and they put it on him. And it's signifying that he's king. I want to ask you, is he king in your life? Because this king that I'm reading in here, was willing to do this and being mocked and never saying anything, understanding that he was going to be alone and understood all the pain that he was gonna see, and yet he still did it. See, Easter 2020 is not about a rabbit. It's not about pastels. It's not about um, the the flowers coming up. It's about a man that was willing to go on the cross for us. It's about a man that was willing to suffer all the pain, the pain of being alone, the pain of the scourging, and the pain of the thorns. And this is more of a mockery. Keep reading, and it says in, in verse number um, 28, it says, they stripped him and put on a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a, a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head. And a reed in his right hand, they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Now watch this. They put this on his head, and you've got to read verse number 30. It says, and they spit upon him, and took the reed, and smote him on the head. Verse number 31, and after they had mocked him, they took the robe off, and put on his own raiment on him, and led him away to crucify him. Verse number 30, go back to it, it says, and they spit upon him. It's one of the most devastating things you can do to somebody, spit on him. Signifies that you have no respect for this man, although you you had him decorated as, as a king, you had him you had the robe on him. You had the royal, the royal color on him. You had all these different things, and they put this on him. And I can't imagine. I've, my my mother, when she was alive, she had a crown of thorns that she placed on the wall. And you talk about something when you look at it. It was devastating. The thorns on the thing that she said that she had, and they said it was very similar to what they did for Christ. But the thorns were two inches to two and a half inches long, maybe three inches long. And I can't imagine how that would be sitting on your head. But in this verse in number 30, if you keep reading it, it says, and they spit upon him and they took the reed and they smote him on the head. Now they're hitting him on top of the head with these thorns that are just gouging him and blood's coming out where these thorns are. And I know when you think of Easter, we think of he is risen, but I want you to think about what he did before he rose. The pain that was involved with him. Because when I look at the pain that he goes through, in my, my life, I think I couldn't handle that. And I'm going through a, a big ordeal in my life, but it's nothing of what he went through. Pain number one was he was all alone. Pain number two was the scourging. Pain number three was the thorns, the royalty. They were mocking him. And pain number four is actually the crucifixion. Let's go ahead and keep reading. In verse number 32, it says, And they came out, they found a man, um, of Siren, Simeon by name, him they compelled to bear the cross. And when they were come into a place called Galgotha, this is to say a place of the skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. And when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. They parted my garments among them and upon my vesture. They cast lots. Verse number 36 is one of the most amazing verses, I think, when you read this. It says, and sitting down, they watched him there. Wow. That's pretty blatant. Watched him there and set up over his head his accusation written, this is Jesus, King of the Jews. Go back to verse number 35. There's only four words in there, and they crucified him. I can't imagine the pain that was. Crucifixion, you die of. um, You you can't breathe. Suffocation. That's why they would go and break their legs, and they didn't have to break Jesus' legs because he had died before he got there and before they had got to that point, but what they would do is they'd lay the cross down, and they would put nails in their feet and their hands, and They'd tie them up to it also, and then they would take that cross, and they would back it into the hole and drop it into that hole, sometimes three feet. Can you imagine the pain that was involved in that? I truly believe, this is my personal opinion, when the, when the centurion soldier makes the statement, truly this is the Son of God, I think it's because he saw how he responded during the crucifixion. He wasn't complaining. He was doing it for us. And go back to this understanding, we've already decided we believe that he's all powerful. We've already decided that he and we know that he's all knowing. And yet he did this all for us. He couldn't take shortcuts. And every step of the way as he goes through this, through the the all-alone and 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 the and the scourging and the thorns and the crucifixion. He did that knowing exactly what was going to happen and he knew the level of pain was gonna be involved. And yet, he didn't run that, run away from it. That's how much he loves you and me. But you know what I like is that Matthew 27 is not the end of the book because everything changes in Matthew chapter 28. He goes in, in Matthew chapter 27 is where we were and he ends up he ends up, of course, passing away. They put him in a tomb. But you know what I'm thankful for about Matthew chapter twenty-eight because in my Bible there's a heading that says the Risen Christ. Listen to me, Easter twenty twenty, over five hundred people saw him after he after he had after he had been crucified and he and he had rose, risen from the grave. You might say, well, he was just a historical figure. No, he was much more than that. He was much more. This is much more than a Sunday. It's much much more than a than a than a, than a sacrifice. It was everything in the world. Matthew 28, he is risen. That's what Easter's all about. Folks, listen to me. If you regularly attend our church, understand what Easter's about. It's about this story. Our life is based on this. If you know you're going to heaven, this is what it's all about. Easter's so important. We must understand the importance of this, but we must also understand that he was willing to go all alone and he was willing to suffer the pain that he knew he would have before he even went into it. Remember when I was at the hospital, this lady came in and they were giving me a shot um, for blood clotting. I guess everybody in the hospital has to have it if you're laying down and they give it to you in your stomach. Well, I was talking to her and I don't like needles and I don't like pain and and she was talking to me and she was about to give me my LASIK too in my, in my arm that's already had the IV in it. Well, she had the needle out for the LASIK and the needle's probably an inch and a half to two inches long. And to, in my mind, it looked like it was four feet long. And she said, I'm gonna have to give you a shot in the stomach. And I was like, I was looking at that needle and I said, well, And finally, I I, I had enough of her talking about it. I said, well, um, that's a pretty big needle. And I was anticipating the pain with it. And she goes, oh, no, this is not the needle for that. This is the needle for that. And it was real small. I was like, oh, I can deal with that. But just anticipating what she was saying and how she was talking, she did not bring it across to me the right way. And all I could do is thinking, oh, man, that's really going to hurt. We sometimes want to regulate our pain when we can kind of understand where it's going. But Jesus did not do that. And the pain that I suffered with a little needle in my stomach was very small compared to what Jesus has done for us. The pain that he had being all alone. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The pain of the scourging and not saying anything. The pain of the mocking of the, of the thorns on his head, and the pain of the crucifixion itself. Easter 2020, Christ has risen, it will be an Easter that we will never forget. You just think about all the things we've went through. The world is searching for an answer. We have the Savior and choose to be all that chose to be all alone and suffer pain for our salvation. Understand this. The Bible's center focal piece has always been Jesus. I want you to look and I want to point some things out to you. Let's look at the Old Testament. You say, well, this is the New Testament. What's the Old Testament have to do with Christ? There's 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. Let's just take a real quick look at the 39. Now don't get concerned. I'm not going to go really long into this. I want you to see this. In Genesis, you know what he is? He's our creator. In Exodus, He's our Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's our high priest. In Numbers, he's the cloud by day, fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's our city of refuge. In Joshua, he's our lender. In Judges, he's our judge. And in Ruth, he's our kinsman redeemer. In 1 and 2 Samuel, he's the trusted prophet. In 1 and 2 Kings, and 1st Chronicles, he's the reigning king. In Ezra, he's the faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder. In Esther, he's Mordecai, sitting faithful at the, at the gate. In Job, he's my redeemer that liveth forever. In Psalms, he's my great shepherd. In Proverbs, he's my wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he's whom I fear. In Song of Solomon, he's a beautiful bridegroom. In Isaiah, he's a suffering servant. In Jeremiah and Lamentations, he's a weeping prophet. In in Ezekiel, he's a wonderful four-faced man. In Daniel, he's the fourth man in the fire. Aren't you thankful for that? You know he's always with you. Hosea, he's my love. In Joel, he's the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. In Amos, he's the burden bearer. In Obadiah, he's my savior. In Jonah, he's my great foreign missionary. In Micah, he's my messenger. In Nahum, he's the avenger. Habakkuk, he's the watchman. In Zephaniah, he's my Lord mighty to save. And Hag- Hag- Haggai, he is my restorer. Zechariah, he's my fountain, and and Malachi, he's my faithful servant. See, this Jesus was in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and it's all a reflection. These all 66 books are all about him. Easter is the most important story in the Bible. Not the birth of Christ. Yes, there was miracles after the birth of Christ, many different ones, and we look at those in December. But the most important thing was he came on this earth to die on a cross for us. See, this Jesus, he was alone. He understood and accepted the pain, but he sure is a great God, isn't he? he? sure does love you, doesn't he? I'm so thankful for his love. When we go through things, and I went through the biggest ordeal in my life this last week, it's great to know that he loves me. So i got some questions for you, and we're almost done. What are you going to do with him this Easter? Is it going to just be like last year? Because this Easter is different than any other Easter we've ever been in. We're not allowed to meet, we're not allowed to do certain things. And I think like right now life has changed that we would and as I look at it, I think, I could never believe that it would get this where it's at right now. What are you gonna do with his with him and G, this this Jesus this Easter? If you don't know him, get to know him. And accept the free gift of salvation he gives you. We've got to understand there's a gift. It's eternal life. And that's what he gave us. And that's why he suffered the pain for you. That's why he was all alone for you. Are you going to accept him? People are searching. Maybe you're searching right now. You don't understand it. But I can tell you this. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All you got to do is confess it. Understand it's nothing that I've done. It's everything that he's done. That's what salvation is all about. Are you going to accept him? Easter 2020. My second question is this. If you know him, what are you going to do? Let's say you've already accepted Christ as your personal Savior. What are you going to do? Here's what I suggest to you. Know him better. Understand that he is in control. He's never going to leave you nor forsake you. And understand that life is a vapor. It goes by quickly. He wants to be your everything. There's a verse in the Bible, and you can probably finish it for me, but we, we say it, and sometimes we don't even realize exactly what it means. The Lord is my shepherd. Everybody knows 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, what's the next part? I shall not want. Meaning, I don't need anything other than Him. Easter 2020, all you need is Him. Everything points back to Him. Reflect on this. Easter 2020, that you acknowledge that Jesus was willing to do this and be all alone for you. He's a personal savior for you. Are you willing to let him be that? But not only that, he's my friend. And he'll never leave me nor forsake me. And acknowledge this year, not only that he was alone, but he went through all this pain, fully knowing before he went into it, what it was going to be. What are you going to do with this Christ? What are you going to do with Jesus in 2020? That's up to you. I wish I could answer that question for you, but only you can do it. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for being willing to be all alone for me. I think of the four areas of pain that I talked about. The number one was just being alone. The number two was being scourged. I can't imagine someone hitting me and me having the capability of wiping them out and doing things to them and hurting them and me not me not responding. Thank you for your spirit. Thirdly, I think of the pain of the the crown of thorns. A pain that must have been, but not only the pain, but the mockery of why they were doing it. And number four, of course, the main Aspect of all this is the crucifixion. Lord, I don't know what's going to happen in 2020. But I sure am glad I know a God that does. And I'm sure I'm glad. that This God knows exactly where I'm at. And he knows exactly where you're at. And he cares for us so much. That he was willing to be all alone. And to go through this pain for me. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. If there's someone out there that doesn't know you as personal Savior, may they understand what it means to be born again. May they call us at our number or or, or contact us at the church where we can show them what it means to be a Christian. And when this is all over, may they understand what it means forsaking not the assembly because we need fellowship. We need not to be alone. It's good for our spirit. It's good for our church. It's good for our our life in general. Thank you again for all the things you've done. I thank you for the people who have been praying for me. Thank you for what you've brought me through. Lord, may I understand whatever you have for us. It's better than anything that I can do. Thank you again for all the things you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to encourage you to stay in the Bible. Understand that this God he's worth it all. One day we will see him and we'll stand before him. May you understand in Easter 2020 that God has something great for you. I hope you've enjoyed the message and I hope you understand that Jesus truly does love you. I hope you have a wonderful day and I hope you have a happy Easter in 2020. Thank you.